0: Let me start by saying this, man, okay? How proud I am of you guys, man, for how you've worked for the last two months, okay? It's been a long time since we've won, okay? But no one stopped working, man, right? No one stopped believing. That's you guys, right? That's the locker room, that's you coaches, man, okay? Now we got two game balls, guys, we got two game balls. One goes to DT, okay, he is second. Second in Broncos history guys, okay, with yards and touchdowns.
1: Second game ball, guys, goes to the defense, man. Okay? All you guys, man. It's the first (laughs) shutout in 12 years.
0: Defense all year. Together on three. One, two, three.
1: Welcome to the Huddle Up! Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented by Mile High Huddle. It is time to drop some knowledge. We have a win To celebrate today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Chad Jensen, Scout Media, CBS Sports Digital. With me, as always, Will Keyes, editor and writer at Mile High Huddle. Will, the Broncos did it. They finally got that monkey off their back. They broke the streak.
0: Honestly, it feels like forever ago and a day since they actually won a game. And I was kind of thinking to myself when it was getting pretty apparent that the Broncos were actually going to um, hold on to it and win for the first time since early October. That, you know, maybe maybe the, nine, the last nine weeks of our lives have just been a dream
1: and we're all just waking up right now at the same time. Well, they were such a different—we're going to talk more about this, but the complexion and the tonality of them as a team was so utterly different oh, on yeah. Sunday against the Jets that it does feel like we've been in some kind of weird alter, you know, alternate football universe.
0: It absolutely does, yeah. It's not what you expect being a Broncos fan, and um, I, I think a lot of people have ha- had to come to terms this season— um, with the fact that even with a franchise as excellent as the Broncos have been, um, you know, especially if you want to use the metrics that they that they always bring out since Pat Bowen bought the team mm-hmm. in 1984, you know, a, a a season where you're where you're four and nine through 13 games is just not common. And but at the same time, it, it's going to happen every few years. And um, fortunately for us, it, it happens a lot less often than it does to a lot of other teams. So things could be a lot worse. Here's to a rebound from
1: that eight-game losing streak. There you go. Now, we don't have a lot of time today, have some things going on tonight. It is my birthday, so I'm a little bit short on time. And uh, I'm, I'm inching ever so much closer to that dreaded 4-0, the 40-year-old. What do they call that now? That's, I guess that's technically you're, you're you're creeping up on middle age when you get to 40, I guess. But that's, that's the reality I'm staring down right now. So a little bit short on time. But we're here to give you a deep dive on your favorite team, the Denver Broncos. We need your help. Make sure if you haven't done it, go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, whatever service that you're listening, whatever app that you listen to this show, and leave a creative review, rate the show. Big deal for us. Also, follow us on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod and at MileHighHuddle. And we do have some really good stuff to get to today. But first, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Rep the Squad. This is one of the coolest services for a Broncos fan out there. Rep the Squad is a jersey subscription club that lets you rep every jersey you want. Hundreds of different jerseys. Rep the Squad lets you switch between your favorite stars and styles whenever you like. So maybe next week or this week, you know, it's Vaughn Miller with a road jersey. And the next week, it's, you know. Another road game, I guess. So Emmanuel Sanders or an alternate, whatever you want to do. Adult memberships are 19.95 per month. Youth are 16.95 per month. The way it works, you get new jerseys arriving each week, fresh and clean, within two to three days from the time that you order. It's kind of like Netflix for jerseys. Rep the Squad allows you to rep your team, to rep the Orange Crush all season long, no matter if it's home, away, or an alternate. It's free shipping both ways. You get to cancel whenever you want. But here's the key. Use promotion code huddle. That's H U D D L E to get 50% off your first month at repthesquad.com. That's promo code huddle at repthesquad.com. All right, so these last 2 months of Broncos football have been absolutely brutal but i guess if the broncos are going to snap their losing streak they might as well do it in historic fashion and that's what they did shutting out the jets 23 to nothing it was actually denver's 18th all-time shutout and their first in 12 seasons since 2005 and in limiting the jets to 100 total yards they had 59 rushing yards 41 passing yards the broncos became just the fifth team in the last 17 years to shut out an opponent while also allowing 100 or fewer Yards, So that's an interesting side note. Um, also, the Broncos posted two takeaways, an interception and a fumble recovery, to finish plus two in the turnover margin. It's, again, here we are living in you know, it's opposite day, opposite week. The game marked Denver's 32nd consecutive victory when winning the turnover battle. So they extended the streak, which dates back to 2012, and it's currently the longest in the NFL and the longest overall since Green Bay did it for 34 games from 2009 to 2013. Now, the biggest trope I've heard from Broncos country, besides the fans being disappointed that the Broncos didn't embrace the tank for draft position and play to lose, is the one that somehow this win takes the onus off of Vance Joseph, that a single solitary victory in a desert of losses somehow absolves Joseph of his historic losing streak, and perhaps even saves his job. Let's talk about that first. I made a video after the game basically posing the question, was this win enough to save Joseph? And the comments on milehighhuddle.com and social media were very dismissive of that notion. But I would kind of disagree. I'm not going to go so far as to say that Joseph saved his job absolutely in one fell swoop. But I do think the nature of the win was enough to earn him quite a bit more rope or more benefit of the doubt. Ian Rappaport, for example, reported before the game that Elway is really hoping this works out with Vance Joseph, and I believe him. My insight is that Elway and team president Joe Ellis, they're looking for reasons to avoid having to fire Joseph. They don't want to have to hire their fourth head coach in the last seven years. So we'll while I won't go so far as to say that Denver's Week 14 win saved Joseph's job, I will say it helped buy him a little bit more time, so to speak. You know, Earned him a little bit more rope to prove himself. If the Broncos win one of their final two road games, it might be enough to save Joseph, even if that's all they do. Is they win one more and it's on the road. Because the Broncos haven't won on the road yet this year. And then the next two games are at Indianapolis and then at Washington before finally closing at home versus the Kansas City Chiefs. But what say you will? How did week 14, in your mind, affect Joseph's standing with the Broncos?
0: Right. So I I can see how people would come to that conclusion after yesterday, because I think the nature of losing streaks, and especially one that lasts for, for eight whole weeks, is that when you actually break that streak, one way or another, and it doesn't matter if you if you do it on a last-second field goal or if you do it in really dominating fashion like the Broncos did yesterday, there's going to be a really cathartic reaction, and it's just going to be an emotional win no matter what. And I I think if this game had had taken place in Week Four, um, when the Broncos were two and one, and this had pushed them to three and one, it would have just been another another win, kind of another another notch on the wall just to say, all right, well, we, we took care of a team that we should have beat at home um, in, in the fashion that we should have. Right. And they didn't really play on offense spectacular, spectacular football necessarily, other than that they didn't turn the ball over, which in the context of the 2017 Broncos really is spectacular. They played up, I think, to to their potential on, on defense. And more than anything, they proved that when all things are clicking – they're a much better team than the Jets. And I think when all things are clicking and all things are going well and the ceiling of this team is, is actually an above-average team, and they just haven't shown that since October um, for one reason or another, and, and that's a whole other story. But I don't know uh, if it really saves Vance Joseph's job at this point. Um, I think he'd make a much better case for himself if he, he – if he went out 4-0 in the last quarter of the season? Because, I don't know, I don't really have any metrics to, to back this up, and this is probably just a gut feeling, but tell me what, what you think. And I, I think that the last quarter of the regular season um, for a team that has kind of already been eliminated from the playoffs mm-hmm. is kind of a predictor for how they're going to do next oh, season. Yeah. Like, the Broncos, the Broncos really stumbled at the end of last season, save for the season finale against Oakland. And I guess to some extent it served as a predictor for 2017, but... Yeah, You know, remember teams like uh, the Detroit Lions in 2010 go 4-0 to, to finish off the season and then they finally make the playoffs after a long drought. So, you know, I, I don't know if it's uh, something that the numbers would necessarily back up, but I think there's something to be said for finishing strong. And, you know, uh, I hope it does save Vance Joseph's job because he seems like a good guy and he seems like a good leader and the, the team – definitely seems to like him because, you know, at this point, uh, if they didn't like him, we'd know it by now because you know, winning winning cures
1: all and losing ruins all, like we like to say. So yeah,
0: that's well, that's kind of where we're at with Vance Joseph right now.
1: I don't have the numbers either, but Vance Joseph brought that up too. After the game, he basically said that, you know, yeah, we want to finish strong. We want to win out because the historical precedent is teams who do typically win Uh, their final four games even if they're not making the playoffs that tends to carry over into the ensuing season so the Broncos have to be hoping for that right now and you know it's not unrealistic to think that they can do it I mean they're going on the road to face a team who on paper is inferior granted on the road which they haven't been able to win a road game yet this year but on paper this is a game the Broncos should win even at four and nine the next week, they go on the road. They face Washington. They face Kirk Cousins, a guy who many Broncos fans are pining for and hoping that John Elway can, you know, lube another blockbuster deal to to bring Kirk Cousins this time to the Mile High City. So it'll be interesting to see how the Broncos perform in that environment uh, with the Redskins. And then finally, they close it out at home with a Kansas City Chiefs team whom we've learned a lot more about since the last time these two teams. Met this Chiefs team obviously. Oh, yes. I mean, they they finally got a win, but I mean, they've been on an enormous slide. And I mean, I don't, I I haven't taken a look actually at the AFC West. I know they're still in it, obviously, with with the Chargers being the team that has the most momentum. But I mean, that game could be very uh, important for the Chiefs to end the season. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see if the Broncos can put some kind of an exclamation point on this season and finish out strong and take down a divisional foe. Now, one bright spot, another bright spot, I should say, that was historic in Denver's win was Demarius Thomas, who led all players on the day with eight receptions for 93 yards and a touchdown reception, 20-yarder. He now has 8,475 career receiving yards, 56 receiving touchdowns, and of course he leapfrogged Hall of Fame tight end Shannon Sharp to take second place all time for the franchise in both categories. Only Rod Smith is ranked higher than D T in those two different categories. And it was nice to see him, you know, ball out like he did. He played very well, but at the same time he had that one maddening drop. He giveth will and DT taketh away.
0: Yeah, it's kind of been the story for Demarius Thomas his whole career. Um it's almost it's almost like I don't know. This has kind of been the case for a while, and maybe, maybe I'm biased just from like seeing plays like uh, that Kansas City game in 2012, where he just went up over the top and and caught that ball in the back of the end zone with one hand, which is still like one of the one of the most impressive catches, like one of the most physically dominating plays that I've seen in a long time. But it's like he just he has a knack for coming down with contested balls, and it's like when the ball's right there and it's about to hit him in the chest he it's like it's too easy. he's bored or he like he needs some degree of difficulty to reel it in but i, I don't know that's that's kind of been his um i, I guess his his football profile for a while is yep. he's just an insane playmaker um but he just has lapses of con- concentration and you know what's this year eight for
1: dt now uh 2010 11 12 13 14 15. yeah year eight because von miller yeah seventh so
0: Yeah, so I do not see that changing for him, but I think at this point you'll take what you can get from Demarius Thomas. So I think the important thing that the Broncos learned yesterday is you really have to get DT involved early and often, and you see what happens when he does because, you know, they are targeting him really early. And even on that first drive that ended up in a field goal, um, Trevor Simeon threw the ball in the end zone to Demarius Thomas, ended up being a little bit high, and then Jamal Adams came through and actually kind of – yeah, hit him in the hit him in the stomach, which I
1: thought was a late hit and kind of unnecessary. The well, Ball wasn't really catchable. That's the thing too, is that Trevor. What's another thing that's been so frustrating? We can we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but we might as well talk about it now. Is that Trevor Simeon just has not been good at feeding his playmakers this year. I mean, and that even dates back to last year. In that, I mean, how how long was the streak? I think it almost went a full season that Demarius Thomas did not catch a touchdown pass. And Trevor Simeon was the the steward of that um, fiasco for most of those games, except for one. no, yeah, except for one, if i if I recall correctly, that Jacksonville game last year on the road. And that's been another thing about Simeon that's been frustrating is just one of many things is that he doesn't, It's some of those simple things like feeding your playmakers, especially receivers, early. Like DT, I agree with you. He's a guy that needs to get the ball early to get into a groove, to get his confidence up, to get his dander up. And it usually – it's just like watching the game on Sunday. As soon as that first drive, I mean, I had a feeling right there. I think I tweeted something to the effect that he's going to have a big day. If you get him involved early – Demarius Thomas is going to produce. But Trevor Simeon had himself a solid day. You know, wasn't spectacular. He went 19-31, completed 61% of his passes, a couple hundred yards, and a touchdown, 90.8 uh, quarterback rating, and most importantly, no turnovers. He's now 9-3 and all-time as a starter at home, 4-1 and one at home this year. And I'll give him this. Simeon, you know what, he was efficient. He, he executed well, Will, on third down, at least early in the game, before the Broncos went into ultra conservative mode he protected the football that's the model at least with this team if you can protect the football play smart distribute the ball to your playmakers and execute on third down you're gonna win some games with this team and if he could do that every week the Broncos would they would win they wouldn't have lost eight games in a row but for whatever reason and that's just the player he is you know it's his ceiling he just he couldn't get that done, and it's I don't I don't say this to get in any kind of Simeon debate. I just feel like Trevor Simeon. We've we've seen that ceiling, and I think I'm not I'm not in the camp that the Broncos need to just get rid of everybody in the quarterback room next year. I think if there's one player that the Broncos should look at keeping around, it would be Trevor Simeon as a backup. But just make sure that quarterback that is ahead of him on the depth chart. That there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's the starter, Simeon's the backup, because that's the one argument, Will, I've heard from people this year is that, you know, you need to get rid of Simeon too. Well, why? He's got one more year on his contract, and he's their most experienced quarterback. Well, because if you keep him around – all these guys are big simian guys in the locker room, and you know it's going to cause more of a back-and-forth and and a battle and a power struggle and all that. I don't believe that. I I really don't. I think that's a very small thing. Now, going up against Paxton Lynch, maybe there's some salt to that. But after a season like this, the Broncos go into 2018, well, they're going to find a way to make a splash with a new quarterback, whether it's free agency or the draft, and that message is going to come on from high, whether it's Vance Joseph as the head coach or somebody else, that this is our quarterback, Trevor, you're the backup, and I don't think anyone in that locker room is going to bat too much of an eye at that.
0: Yeah, and another thing, too, that people have kind of overlooked is the Broncos have four wins this season, and all four of those wins have been with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. And that's not something that people are really talking about, but this is kind of what you want. This is the ideal game from Trevor Simeon. And obviously, he's had better games where he goes out and throws four touchdowns like he did against the Cowboys, um, but I don't think that's really necessary. And when the defense is firing on all cylinders like it does, and it really helps to play complementary football, and that's what they did yesterday. And another thing to Simeon's credit, too, is they didn't run the ball spectacularly well. I think Bill Musgrave did a good job of balancing the offense, and even when the run game wasn't really picking up huge chunks of yardage, still made sure to give it to C.J. Anderson just to provide the that there was an option between running and passing. Um, and that really helped Simeon. That helped with the protection, I thought. He knew when to bail out, and he did a better job of bailing out and and feeding his receivers along the sideline and keeping his eyes downfield. Um, overall, obviously not a spectacular game by any means. But if he plays like that every week, right? And he goes two hundred yards and a touchdown and no turnovers, the, the Broncos are
1: winning far more games than oh, they yeah. end up losing. Absolutely, they're they're if he does that each and every week, they go nine and seven this year. But for whatever reason, that's just not the way it it shook out. And it's not that you throw Trevor Simeon by the wayside. I still think with one year left on his deal with the Broncos, he has a place on this team. But I I do think regardless of how the Broncos procure that next quarterback, whether it's free agency or the draft, I think obviously Osweiler's gone, and I don't think there's any reason to keep Lynch around. I think there's still going to be some kind of a market for Lynch on the trade uh, block. I think you know he's not a guy that you could go out and try and capitalize on you know getting any kind of high round draft pick or anything like that but you can unload him you can unload that salary you know for a conditional late round pick you know the team takes him if he finds a way to produce x y and z the broncos get a late round pick and at least there that, that way the broncos get something out of that draft pick now another thing i want to talk about that was historic about that win for the broncos Was Von Miller. He recorded his 10th sack of the season against the Jets, which set a Broncos record because it was his sixth career double digit sack season. Now, what's interesting, he joins Reggie White and DeMarcus Ware as the only players in NFL history, and this is since sacks became official back in 1982, to record double digit sacks totals in six of their first seven seasons. That's some pretty rarefied air there, Will. And you factor in his ring, you factor in his Super Bowl MVP award, his All-Pros, his Pro Bowls. I think Von Miller's already done enough to make it into Canton. Like, if he just goes out and for however many more years he plays, let's say four more years of of upper echelon caliber, if he just does eight to ten sacks a season, I think this is a guy who's going to end up in the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, I I think there's – I think if he retired tomorrow – I think he probably makes it into the Hall of Fame um, on the strength of not only six 10-sack seasons, but the playoff run in 2015. I think that really, really boosts his resume and sets him apart from guys like J.J. Watt, Justin Houston, um, Jason Pierre-Paul, some of those guys. So uh, Khalil Mack, another another guy. Just going to say. Yeah. Um, But there's another dimension to his game, too, that I think that sets him apart from those other guys. Obviously we know what he does as a pass rusher. He's, you know, a top three pure pass rusher, I think, in the NFL. And to some extent that list is interchangeable and it changes from time to time too. But he's a great run stopper. Mm. Um oh, yeah. he, he's so good at, at tracking down a play from the backside and just pulling a guy's legs down from mm. out underneath him. I think he's you know, he uses his speed
1: so well and he and really strength. Just, Yeah. When that when the when the balls come on his side play side, Von Miller, I mean, he has the strength to not only hold up and set the edge at the point of attack, but he finds a way to throw guys off him and knife in there to make that tackle. He's phenomenal.
0: Yeah. No. He's he's an unbelievable He's an unbelievable athlete just because, like he said, like he's super strong. He's incredibly fast, and he's he's probably the most flexible. Uh, linebacker I think there is in the league and you can see that when you see him go against offensive tackles and see how low to the ground he gets on pass rushes it's really it's I don't know it's from another planet I've never seen it before but
1: also to see how he sets up tackles like the, the sack he got uh on Sunday against the Jets that spin move like that was a play that was many plays Many snaps in the making. The way he finally set up that tackle spin move. I mean, it's it's interesting the game within the game. And Von Miller has has mastered that, obviously.
0: Yeah, and another another dimension to his game that I don't think people bring up enough is he's actually very good in pass coverage too. Because if you want to go back to the twenty fifteen playoffs, and there there are more recent examples, but I think this is the most um, telling of them all. And you go back to that AFC Championship game, he picks Brady. In, in the Broncos, within the Broncos' 20-yard line, or the Patriots' 20-yard line, I should say, um, right in their own territory, and that sets up a touchdown pass to Owen Daniels. The Broncos don't win the game without that play by Vaughn Miller, I don't think. I don't think the mm-hmm. offense is is charging the length of the field and then cashing in um, with a touchdown. and Remember, that was only a, a one-point game. Yeah. and Another play a couple weeks later in the Super Bowl, he covers Jericho Cot- and and breaks up a pass in the end zone um, and remember that was a six-point game before TJ Ward recovered that Von Miller strip sack too. Oh. So, if you you know those those two pass breakups, well one of, one was a breakup and another was actually an interception. Uh, the Broncos don't win the Super Bowl without it. I don't think they even get to the Super Bowl without it.
1: He's got every tool that you need. He's a phenomenal leader. This this year, I mean, as bad as it's been for the Broncos. Von Miller has still found a way to lead, and it's been impressive with DeMarcus Ware now gone to see him turn that corner. And we still have a few more topics we want to get into before we get out of here. But before we do, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Guys, if you haven't done this yet, make sure you capitalize on the opportunity to get a free audiobook download that comes also with a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com. There's over 180,000 different titles to choose from, iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, doesn't matter what you what you're using. Again, audibletrial.com huddleup slash huddle up. I use this literally on a daily basis, which is one of the reasons why we formed this partnership with Audible because it's a product, it's a service, it's an app that I fully believe in and utilize. And especially those of you who are the hardcore listeners, you like the Audible medium. You like listening to your content. And there's so much cool stuff on Audible, no matter what your tastes and what your interests are. So capitalize on that opportunity to get a free audiobook download and get that 30-day free trial and it's also a big reminder it's also a great way to support the show and allow us to continue to bring these episodes to you uh, each and every week now one last thing i want to touch on about this game will before we move on to uh, some other bigger topics or macro topics is just the overall passion and intensity this whole Broncos team This whole Broncos team played with passion against the Jets. It was really the first time in a long time that you could tell the players were having fun out on the grass. And it's not just because they got out to an early lead. I mean, they were loose. They were the more physical team. And I really dug that intensity. It just made me think, you know, I know it was the Jets, but why haven't we seen this caliber of performance since week two? You know, why did it take eight straight losses for the Broncos to figure out their model, to play complementary football? And, you know, that's a question Vance Joseph's going to have to ask himself. It's it's a question he's going to have to answer to Elway and company. And a lot yep. of it, I'm sure, can be chalked up to his inexperience and in it being his first year as a head coach and going through that trial and error learning curve. A lot can probably be attributed to, you know, inheriting a veteran football team that was still very much living in the past and holding on to this past Super Bowl glory and old grudges and all this stuff in the locker room. A lot can also probably be summed up by having one of the worst quarterback situations in football. And John Elway knows he handed Joseph a terrible quarterback room. It's not that the Broncos, it's not that John Elway didn't or hasn't tried to address the quarterback position. It's just that the moves they've made haven't worked out. They've turned out to be fool's gold. What we've learned or maybe have been reminded of this year is that, no matter how talented your team is, no matter how good your defense is, will. I mean, we hear about, you know, uh, defense wins championships and all that. But at the NFL, to sustain, it's all about having the quarterback. And until the Broncos have a legitimate franchise caliber QB, this is how it's going to be. It's like you hear about the great defenses of all time. You know, you hear about the 85 Bears, 2000 Ravens, uh, the 02 Bucks, or whether that was 03, 02. Uh, 02 now the Broncos. Yeah. 2013 Seahawks, 2015 Broncos. I mean, these are teams that won one Super Bowl. These aren't, when you hear about defense wins championships, yes, there's truth to that. But there's also, you don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole because the teams who have won with these elite historical defenses have been flashes in the pan. I mean, the Bears, they were good after 85, but they never went back and won another championship. And then they they fizzled. And the same can be said for each and every one of these defenses. So, yes, you need to have the pieces in place to be competitive defensively, but the more important thing to sustain success is quarterback. And until the Broncos have that guy, they're gonna to continue to be unpredictable. They're gonna to continue to be inconsistent as a football team who probably loses more games than they win.
0: Right. I think the ideal for a Super Bowl team and obviously the the teams like the Broncos and the Buccaneers and the Ravens and the teams you mentioned aren't the are, are kind of the exception to the rule. And I think you do need a, a prerequisite level of defense uh, to win. Uh, a few exceptions in there with with teams like, I don't know, like the Colts and then the, the 2000, 2010 Packers who were not necessarily great, great defenses or anything, but they were really opportunistic, um, and especially in the playoffs, um, even more so. Yep. But I, I think what you really want more than anything is it's hard to have um, a great quarterback that you're paying a ton of money. And then also um, maintain a really high level of talent on defense. So I think I think the ideal would would probably be a, a great defense, or at least an above average defense, with a quarterback who's making first contract money. And you think about teams like the 2013 Seahawks, um, and and maybe like Joe Flacco on the Ravens before he signed his big contract, which which obviously. You can see the results of what happened there, and, and they're fools. They don't. Yeah, they, they really didn't get back. I got back to the playoffs, I think, once since since uh, Flacco signed that contract. So, yep. Um, you can you can tell what that does to deplete the other areas on your roster, especially defense. I think because you know guys like Paul Kruger and other members of that defense basically. Led a mass exodus after that season because there wasn't the money to keep them, and, and that's kind of what happens: is a Super Bowl forces you to pay your quarterback. And I think the Broncos were lucky to some extent that Peyton Manning was on his way out, and they didn't have to pay him to to keep him around, um, to reward him for that for that Super Bowl victory. So, although of he was still ended.
1: in his prime, they would have been happy to. That's a problem you want to yes. have, you
0: know? Yeah, but it's a tough one to sustain too if you're if you're spending most of your resources on one player out of 53. Um, like I said, you know, the ideal situation is you win while you have a guy in their first four or five years. And that's going to be tough. That's obviously not the case if you go and sign a guy like Kirk Cousins for the Broncos. Right.
1: I think. Which is one of the big reasons why I'm, I'm more of a proponent yeah. that the Broncos need to go back to the draft. But... That's not right, what right. this episodes about
0: right, 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 and we'll touch on that later in oh, the yeah. season, obviously, but yeah no it, it's it's kind of a it's a little bit of a conundrum because you you want to allocate top level resources or you want to have a you want to have a top level guy at quarterback without allocating top level resources because it really takes away from the rest of your team that's kind of the one of the one of the
1: catch-22s of professional football right now damned if you do damned if you don't well hey uh running out of time one last topic i want to touch on here before we get out for the night the news broke on monday of course the broncos are putting ron leary on injured reserve he's played At a Pro Bowl level for this team uh, through an eight game losing streak. Of course, he's missed the last two games with the lower back injury. Uh, And with nothing to play for, well, it makes sense for the Broncos just to shut him down, protect that multi million dollar investment. But it gives a guy like Connor McGovern another extended opportunity. He started these last two games. And, you know, pro football focus hasn't been too kind to Connor McGovern. But I went back and studied the film on the coach's film on McGovern from week 13. Uh, in Miami, which was his first career start. And I came away very impressed with McGovern. Now, I haven't had a chance to do that yet with the Jets tape, but I will because I'm I'm very curious. McGovern's a guy that intrigues me to no end, especially because I think he had such a strong off season. He had a strong training camp. And then on the other side, you've got a guy like Max Garcia, whom the Broncos have doggedly and almost blindly stuck to for these last two seasons, starting him at left guard and they've gotten pretty much close to nothing in return for it. I mean, if they're really intent on fixing their offensive line, if that's up there on the priority list, maybe 1B to quarterback being 1A, you can't go into 2018 with Max Garcia earmarked as your starting guard, uh, left guarding it. You just can't do it. Ron Larry's one, and I'm hoping – I'm hoping Connor McGovern can separate himself and prove that he can be that other guy. But who are some of the other young guys, Will, that, you know, the Broncos picked up that elusive win. We've been talking about them needing to get younger guys in the game. And I think one of the things that's held Vance Joseph back from doing that was just this compulsion to break the streak. They finally did it. So who are some of the younger guys? We saw Demarcus Walker make a play or two against the Jets, which was nice to see. But with three games left to go, Will, for you, who are some of the young names you want to see more of? Uh, for the Broncos.
0: Well, I think first of all, and I don't know if it's possible to do this this season, but I'd like to see Demarcus Walker play at his natural position, um, which is probably as a three four defensive end. and uh, you know with with Derek Wolf out for the year, that seems like it might be a little more feasible, but given the way that he trained, I, I think they pushed him towards being an outside linebacker and it's hard to well he dropped it's hard so much to wait. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to get that strength back and and put your hand on the ground for the rest of the season when you've prepared, basically, to be an outside rusher, you know which what? he hasn't
1: really been super effective at. I think they, they played him. They rushed him a few times from the inside, uh, at least late in the game. Um, and he had one play where, if I can recall right, I'll have to go back and double-check this, but I'm pretty sure he got himself, if not of actual pressure, like he beat his man inside. So that was good to see. But yeah, I yeah. agree with you. That's one guy.
0: So the other guy that comes to mind is definitely the running back from Coastal Carolina, D'Angelo Henderson. And I don't, I just looking at him in the preseason and, and seeing what he brought to the table, obviously he fumbled a couple of times, but he had that uh, long run to win the game in Chicago and was generally just very, very productive. Otherwise, I think a good special teams player as well, but he he didn't really seem like a guy who needed a redshirt year. And Jamal Charles hasn't been particularly effective and I know that he's a veteran and and you're going to give him especially when the playoffs are on the line you're going to give the veteran um, the snaps and, and keep him active while deactivating you know a fifth round rookie but the season's not on the line anymore and Jamal Charles hasn't been necessarily and this it's not all his fault because I don't think they've been necessarily game planning around him or putting him in the best opportunities to succeed but he hasn't been particularly effective and he hasn't made a ton of plays yep. um, especially in the latter part of the season so I think with three games there, there's really no reason to not see what you have in D'Angelo Henderson and, and give him some meaningful snaps mm-hmm. let him let him see and, and work out those ball security issues while there's really nothing on the line and and yeah you know give him a chance to to, to take some real live reps and, and get hit by some NFL players
1: it's basically an opportunity to play guys in three more preseason games, three exhibition games, if you will, but going against first-string caliber talent, right? Because that's, yeah. that's the downside to preseason snaps for these young guys is they look good because they're going against second, third, and you know, fourth-string guys. So that would be one of the added benefits of seeing how they play against other veterans in this league first and second t- uh, team guys who are fighting for their careers, who are fighting for postseason berths and all that. I think really it just comes down to the young guys. I mean, I want to see more of Cody Latimer. Now, I mean, he's in a contract year. I think the yeah, Broncos the need, to, they need to find a way to, to give him some more looks in these remaining games because I think he's a guy they need to try and find a way uh, on a team-friendly basis to bring him back. Jordan Taylor, you know, Marcus Rios, he's an undrafted rookie, they sat Brendan Langley, their third-round pick this past week. They didn't. He did not dress. He was a healthy scratch. They promoted Marcus Rios off the practice squad, undrafted out of UCLA, cornerback, and he dressed. Let's see more of him. Let's see more of Langley. Any of the rookie class uh, who haven't had a lot of opportunity yet, including Jamal Carter, put him on the field. And we'll probably see a lot more of Jamal Carter, actually, because uh, Justin Simmons sprained his ankle, and technically he's right. day today, day uh, so there might be more opportunity there, but I'm not just talking rookies. Like, let's see more Jordan Taylor. Let's see more Connor McGovern. Any of the guys that sure. are on the 53 that the Broncos need to know more about, especially anybody that's going into any kind of restricted or exclusive rights free agent thing going into next year or even unrestricted like in the case of Cody Latimer. Let's get him on the field and see what's what.
0: Yeah, I mean, you brought up Jordan Taylor and if we we're going to give out game balls this week, I think he'd probably get my first one. Um, just for just for a- actually executing the football act of catching a punt and then running forward in a semi-straight line without losing control of said football. But he, it was a really I, I think a revelation at punt returner and kind of proved that, that, you know, you can have a guy that's going to catch the ball and maybe not be the fastest dude in the world but he's going to take good angles and he's going to get you a pretty solid average and put you in a good position to succeed on offense so um, I think he's a guy that you want to keep back there at punt returner for the rest of the season and and then kind of work from there but I was really kind of disappointed this year in in Jordan Taylor as a receiver mostly because um, they didn't really play him a lot like he was inactive for a, a good majority of the season and I think definitely based on the way he finished 2016 going back to games like um that saints game and then that chiefs game um where he really established a good rapport i thought with trevor simeon I thought that was going to be a bigger factor this year and um, I think Benny Fowler early in the season kind of took his role um, especially in that Chargers game where he caught two touchdowns and then in that Dallas game he was getting a lot of targets. Um, I'm happy to see that Cody Latimer is really making plays as a receiver. I was really impressed with that 27 yard back shoulder throw by Trevor Simeon that okay. Cody Latimer came down with. Yeah that was a really important play that led to, the, led to the, um, to the field goal. And you know how tough it's been for the Broncos to even get a lead early in game. So that's a really big play and a really big confidence booster for a quarterback and really the offense as a whole. And we know what he does on special teams and I think that's worth the worth the price of admission alone for for a guy like Cody Latimer. You know, there, there's guys like Kissim Osgood who are perennial pro bowlers in their career um, based on exclusively what they do in special teams and i think he's kind of turned into one of those guys for the broncos and not only those he is special teams demon he'll he'll catch a touchdown he'll you know i don't think he's ever going to be the guy that the broncos envisioned when they picked him in the second round out of indiana a few years ago but if you can get a lot of really high level production on special teams um, and then some contributions as a receiver i'm not talking about like a one or two guy where he's, you know, inching towards a thousand yards every year. But, you know, if he's adding 30 or so catches and 400 yards and a handful of touchdowns every year, um, I think that's a win to get a guy like Cody Latimer back on what would probably be a team friendly deal.
1: I hope they do. I hope they find a way to get Cody back. Um, you know, it's got to make sense for the team and I don't think he's going to find a team out there willing to bank uh, break the bank to to bring him in. But yeah, we let's just hope we continue to see more from the young guys. I think we saw some trends pointing in that direction and and I wouldn't exclude Isaiah McKenzie not as a punt returner, but let's right. see it. Let's get him out there in the offense. So we'll see how it shakes out, but that's all the time, boys and girls, we have for today. You can find Will in the Twitterverse at @willkey6. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. Uh, tweet us your questions. We'll try to address your concerns on the show as often as we can. This is a short week with Indy on Thursday. So look for Nick and Carl's preview of the Colts game, hopefully late Tuesday night. And then, of course, the fellas over there are still working on the draft stuff. So stay tuned for that. And make sure you're subscribing, y'all. For Will, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you soon. Mile high huddle.